you know that. Okay, letter of James. Shall we get there? We're not going to go very far in the letter of James, but let's uh, get our Bibles or our I don't know, phones or whatever you use. Get there, letter of James. Okay. The letter, the, the uh, letter of James is um, is, is, is kind of one of those letters that I hate to love. Not because it's difficult to understand, but because I find it very challenging. It challenges my Christian life in every department. And it exposes areas within my life which really need to be addressed. It's a tough letter. It's challenging. But before we get in, I've got to tell you a little story. There was a, a Scottish man named Tam. Really? Yeah. And he was in a cinema and he was lying across three seats. And he was moaning. And the usher comes up to this man, he up to Tam, and he goes to him, uh, excuse, you know, he didn't know his name, by the way, I'll just put that in. He said, excuse me, sir, can you get up? And the man just lay there and he moaned at him, moaned at the usher. And the, uh, the usher said, if you don't get up, sir, I might have to call the manager. But still the man just lay there and he moaned and moaned. So the usher said to the, um, the guy, he said, I'm sorry, sir, I'm going to have to get the manager in. So the manager comes up, sir, you're going to have to sit up. The film's about to start and you are lying across three paying seats. The man just moaned and moaned and moaned at him. So he said, I'm going to have to call the police. The police officer turns up and he says, excuse me, sir, what is your name? And he said, my name's Tam. And he said, where did you come from, Tam? And he goes, from the balcony. <laughs> There is is a point, by the way. (laughs) And I guess the point of the story is that if something isn't moving, it's usually because there is something wrong. Yeah? Now, we all know that not everybody who grows old grows up. And that's because there is a vast difference between age and maturity. And because the church is full of Christians who may be old in age, Scott, doesn't necessarily mean... (laughs) Just because some Christians in the uh, church might be old doesn't mean to make, make it doesn't really mean they've actually grown up. The Bible calls all Christians to grow up into spiritual maturity, and if we don't, we end up just lying there moaning about everything around us. You see, Christians who refuse to grow up are always going to have problems. They'll have problems in their personal lives. They'll have problems in their homes and they'll have problems in their home congregations. Now, a lot of these problems, most of the time, are caused by immaturity. But if Christians would just grow up, they will become victors instead of victims. The letter of James was written with that exact purpose. It was written to help us understand and to obtain spiritual maturity. That's why it was written. 
In James chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says, But you must let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, if you or I receive a letter from someone or an email these days, the first thing we usually find out is who wrote that letter. And when you're dealing with any book or letter with scripture, that's the first question we need to answer. Who wrote it? Well, thankfully, James says in chapter 1, verse 1, from James, straight away. Now, although there are few James mentioned in the New Testament, most scholars agree that this James is the James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I apologise, Catholic Church, on that one. And he humbly identifies himself as this, only as a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, in James chapter 1, verse 1. That's what he says. Now, according to Matthew chapter 13, 13, verse 55, we know that Jesus definitely had a brother named James. We also know, according to John chapter 7, verse 5, that he did not believe in Jesus at first. But after the resurrection and the appearance of Jesus to him, he became a disciple according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7. And from that point on, the Lord's brother became a great leader amongst God's people who were in Jerusalem according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. Giving you a bit of history here. And he must have been a deeply spiritual man to gain such importance in the church in Jerusalem. He must have been. Even tradition tells us that he was a great man of prayer, which might explain the emphasis of prayer in the letter of James. Tradition also tells us that James, his knees, were as hard as camel's knees because he prayed so much. That's what tradition tells us. Tradition also tells us that James was martyred in 62 AD. He was cast down from the temple, he was beaten to death with clubs, and as he was dying, he prayed, as tradition tells us, Father, forgive them, for they know what not what they do. Now, you've received the letter, it's good to find out who wrote it, but it's also important to know who it was written to. Well, again, the answer is found within the letter of James in chapter 1, verse 1. He writes, From James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion. Greetings. So James wrote to the Jews living outside the land of Palestine. The twelve tribes is probably a reference to the people of Israel. In other words, the Jewish nation. If you, and if you remember, the Israelites were taken into captivity by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Many of the Jews were scattered, as we know, throughout the land, throughout, throughout the region. That's why we see a reference to many nations in Acts chapter 2, verse 5 and 11. There's your, there's your point of reference. But that wasn't the only people he was addressing to. James was also writing to Christian Jews. This is evident from the fact that at least 19 times he addresses them as brethren 
or brothers, depending on the translation of the Bible that you do have. And it also seems from that letter that many of those Christian Jews were poor and they were oppressed. Because in James chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, he says this, But you have humiliated the man who is poor. Are not the rich people the ones who oppress you and drag you into court? Are not they the ones who blaspheme the excellent name by which you have been called? So, being a Jew would often mean being rejected by the Gentiles. But being a Christian Jew would also mean being rejected by your own people as well. We all know James wrote the letter. Yep. We all know who he wrote it to. But we also need to ask ourselves, why did you write it? Why was it written? Well, again, if you receive a letter from someone, you have to read through it to know what it's all about. And after you've taken the time to read through the entire letter of James, you will discover why he wrote it. And it seems as though people were having problems in their personal lives and they were having problems in the church. They were going through difficult trials. They were facing temptations to sin. They were hearers, but not necessarily doers. Some were catering to the rich. Others were oppressed by the rich. And some were competing for positions in the church. Improper use of the tongue was a problem, as was worldliness, and some were straying from the faith. Does that sound familiar? Are Christians still suffering today for one reason or another? Yeah? Don't we still have Christians whose walk doesn't reflect their talk? Don't we still struggle with worldliness? Are there still Christians who cannot control their tongue? And please don't think James is addressing a host of different topics here. He is not. He's addressing these issues because they're all related to one another. There is one common factor in each and every single one of these. And James is going to share with us that all these problems have a common cause. The common cause is spiritual immaturity. He's writing to a bunch of Christians who suffer from the Peter Pan syndrome. The little boy that never wanted to grow up. All of us have children, we've had children, will know exactly what I, what I mean by that. I remember, especially with Oliver, when he was five, he was misbehaving. And I said to Oliver, grow up and act your age. And then I realised he was five. <laughs> and he was acting his age, he was only five. But as children grow up in age, you expect their thinking and their behaviour to improve. But as we all know, that is not always the case. And these Christians, which James is writing to, are exactly the same. Let me give you an overview. In James chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, he's going to tell them to stop acting like children when it comes to difficulties. He's going to tell them to grow up and be patient because difficulties are there for a reason. In James chapter 2 verse 14 and following, he's going to tell them to stop acting like children who say one thing but live another way. He's going to tell them to grow up and realise that faith alone is no good unless that faith has legs attached to it. In James chapter 3 verse 1 and following, He's going to tell them to stop talking to each other like children and be careful in what they say. He's going to tell them to grow up 
and use their tongue properly for the right reasons. In James chapter 4 verse 1 and following, he's going to tell them to stop acting like children when it comes to disagreements and wanting things that other people have got. He's going to tell them to grow up and stop fighting and stop coveting. And finally, James is going to tell them in chapter 5, verse 1 and following. This is what James is saying. He's going to tell them to stop acting like children when it comes to their toys. He's going to tell them to grow up when it comes to material things. In other words, this letter was written to get Christians to grow up. That's why he uses the word perfect several times. Now that word perfect means mature or complete. In other words, when he writes in James chapter 3 verse 2, he says this. For all of us make many mistakes. If someone does not make any mistakes when he speaks, he is perfect and able to control his whole body. He doesn't mean that a person doesn't sin. He means that a person is mature, balanced or grown up. And make no mistake about it. The Lord's church needs spiritual, mature men and women today. Because if you were to visit some churches today, all you'll find is a bunch of little children who won't get on with each other. In fact, someone said this. Too many churches are playpens for babies instead of workshops for adults. Shall we look? So I'm going to tell you now, we're going to make some application. Okay? Do you want some application to all this? Okay? Shall we look into the divine mirror? Yeah? God's word and see ourselves as we truly are? Let's be honest about what we see and not just have a quick glimpse and walk away. Let's look at the deep wrinkles of sin and the saggy eyes of worldliness. Let's look at our spots and our grey hairs. I haven't got any. And allow God's word and allow God's word to help us grow into maturity. And let's do what his word says. And not just merely sit there and say amen as if everything applies to somebody else. So are you ready? James chapter 1 verse 25. But the one who looks at the perfect law of freedom and remains committed to it, thus proving that he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of what he requires, will be blessed in what he does. In other words, the blessing doesn't come from studying his word. The blessing comes from doing his word. Because let me be honest with you. If you are ready to grow spiritually, our enemy, the devil, won't like it. So you're going to, be, you're going to have to prepare yourself for a little bit of opposition here. And when all is said and done, every piece of opposition you receive from the devil will be worth it. Listen to what James says in chapter 1 verse 12. How blessed is the man who endures temptation. When he has passed the test, he will receive the victor's crown of life that God has promised to those who keep on loving him. Mature Christians are happy Christians despite the trials they face. Mature Christians are useful to Christians 
overcoming the temptations that cross their path. Mature Christians are Christians who help and encourage others and build up their home congregations. Now the first thing that James says you have to do to become a mature Christian is to recognise what you are. You've got to recognise who you are. Let's go back to James chapter 1 verse 1. He calls himself this. He calls himself this. A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would James and the other New Testament writers describe themselves as servants? Why would they do that? Well, the Greek word here is the word doulos, which literally means a slave. And that word will help us find the answer as to why not only the early Christians, but we today should describe ourselves as servants. When you signed up, listen to me, when you signed up to follow Jesus Christ, you signed up to be a servant. That's what you did. You signed up to be a servant. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew um, 20, verse 25 to 28, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their superiors act like tyrants over them. That's not the way it should be among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That's the way it is with the Son of Man. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many people. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of what it means to be a servant. And if we want to grow spiritually... We need to follow in his steps and be his servant. In other words, if Jesus was humble enough to come and to give his life, then we too as servants need to be willing to serve. But James did not just serve anyone. Let's get back to James chapter 1 verse 1 again. He says, James... A servant of who? Of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are servants, then we need to know who it is we are serving. Yeah? James was a servant of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and you and me are too. The reason that James and the early Christians saw themselves as servants is simply because... That's exactly what they were. They were servants. You might be wondering, you know, what's so appealing about being a servant? What's so appealing about that? Well, let me tell you, one of the first signs of a mature Christian is seen in their attitude. Have you ever noticed how children are selfish sometimes? All they care about is themselves, as long as they're happy sometimes, as long as they get the things their way, Yeah? In fact, one of the first things I think a baby learns is mine. Yeah? They moan when they're hungry. They moan when the nappy change. My eye would moan then as well, really. But they moan about absolutely everything, do they not? And in a very real way, a lot of Christians are that way too. Except they cry for different things. An immature Christian is usually very selfish because they want things done in their time, 
they want it done in their way and they want it done now now normally as people grow older they begin to concern themselves with the needs of others and if they do that that is usually a sign they are becoming mature but if people remain selfish that is usually a sign of immaturity a Christian who serves others is not selfish they are just more concerned about meeting the needs of others and when people are more concerned with the needs of others rather than their own needs this is a sign of spiritual maturity they are practicing exactly what Paul preached in Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 Paul said do not act out of selfish ambition or conceit but with humility think of others as being better than yourselves do not be concerned about your own interests but also be concerned about the interests of others have the same attitude among yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus you see if we are the servants does that mean that Jesus is our master I think he does isn't it yeah and when you think about the slave and the master relationship you can't help but think of the word obedience the slave knows no law but his master's word he has no rights of his own he is the absolute possession of his master and he is bound to give his master unquestionable obedience and I'm wondering if that describes your relationship with Christ does it? now not only can't you help but think of the word obedience but the being a slave also involves the word humility because it's only when we have a humble opinion of ourselves are we open to the idea of complete obedience the apostle Paul that great man of faith as he was that never lost sight of who he was as a person he never lost sight he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. This is what he said. For I am the least of the apostles, and not even fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted God's church. But by God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace shown to me was not wasted. Instead, I worked harder than all the others, not I, of course, but God's grace that was with me. So let me ask you, does that describe your relationship to Christ and his will? Does it? I hope it does. Because when Jesus' disciples were asking for faith, Jesus said this to them. In Luke chapter 17, verse 7 to 10, Jesus said this. Suppose a man among you has a servant ploughing or watching sheep. Would he say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and have something to eat? Of course not. Instead he would say to him, get dinner ready for me and put your apron on and wait on me until I eat and drink. Then you can eat and drink. He doesn't praise the servant for doing what was commanded, does he? That's the way it is with you. When you have done everything you were ordered to do, Say, we are worthless servants. We have done only what we have ought to have done. 
So when you think of that word slave, you also have to think of the word loyalty. No one forced you to become a servant. You freely chose to become a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is expected of us to be loyal. Loyal to him first. That's what Paul's point was in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Paul said this. Am I now trying to win the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. In other words, Paul says, don't consider our own profit or preference important, but that of the one we freely serve. But it never ceases to amaze me how many Christians claim to be servants of Jesus Christ, but all they do is complain about doing God's will. Or if they decide to do his will, they will do it at their pace. Or they'll pick and choose which bits of God's will they will do. In fact, some Christians act as though they're being forced against their own will. But what they fail to realise is none of us, not one of us here, have to serve Jesus. You don't have to serve him. You do not have to be his servant. You don't have to. But by default... If you do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, you will serve Satan and you are destined to hell. Sorry, true, that is what he is. God, by his grace, has offered us salvation. And how dare we ever grumble or complain that he calls us to a life of service in grateful appreciation. Yes, being a servant, you know, is costly. It is. Yes, being a servant is demanding of us. But what a great honour it is, is it not, to serve him. We should take it as an honour to be called a servant. And you say, do you know what, why should, why should, it, why should it be an honour for me to be called a servant? I'm not a servant. Why should I be called that? Well, simply because of the, some of the greatest people that we read of in the Bible were honoured to be called servants. Abraham, Isaac... Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Job, Isaiah, and all the prophets were all called God's servants. Every one of them. So if you want to grow into a spiritual, strong, spiritual, mature Christian, then serve God and his son Jesus Christ with obedience, with humility, and with loyalty. And to finish, as God, ask God, as this chorus says, and we sing this, make me a servant, make me like you, for you are a servant, make me one too. Make me a servant, do what you must do to make me a servant, make me like you. Let us pray. Father God, What an honour, what an honour it is to be called a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ in you. Father, help us to understand what that means. That we are obedient, we are loyal, and we serve you with all humility. Father, bless us, guide and strengthen us with the spirit that you've given us. Father, help us to be like your son Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
anybody leave.